We're back. After a two years break, Radio Yes Cymru is back with the latest views and news from the Welsh independence movement. It's the 8th of October, 2020. It's time for independence. Yes, yes. yes Cymru Radio. And in today's programme, we'll be discussing taxation in an independent Wales, universal basic income, and the work going into founding Wales' newest bank, Bank Cambria. Joining me will be the businessman, Tegid Roberts, and the entrepreneur, Mark Hooper. Stick with us. Yes. Yes, yes Cymru Radio. Independent news and views for an independent nation. Yes. Tegid, you're a businessman. You've also tweeted a big a bit about taxation and independent Wales. So basically, does Wales have the economy to keep the standards of living we now have? And what would taxation look in independent Wales? That's a huge question, Sean. <laughs> it is. Um, huge question. Um... At the moment, we don't raise it and as much taxation as we would like. Um, but then the problem we, we have in Wales is that we don't necessarily know um, what corporation tax level we're actually raising in Wales because we are lumped in with England. Um, so when you register a company in in, uh, in Wales, you're registering a company in England and Wales and taxation is collected uh, centrally in, in Westminster. Uh, but Wales certainly raises enough tax to cover the costs of the Senedd and the Welsh Government and all Welsh Government spending. Um, where we where we don't raise enough tax, in my opinion, is we don't raise enough tax on wealth in Wales. The majority of the taxation in Wales is raised on income taxes and VAT, um, but we don't raise enough on wealth, which are asset taxes predominantly, so taxes on uh, property and... and um, and stocks and shares and, and assets. Right. So so what you're saying basically is that um, we need to raise more taxes, but we're not too sure, when, first of all, exactly of the full picture to begin with. Secondly, uh, there is a need to raise taxes, but that could be done not so much uh, from the ones we use now or have the competence over now, but over new ones like maybe something land value tax or tax on 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 money in the bank, is it? Or how does that work? Yeah, I mean, the other thing to, to to consider is that currently the UK government doesn't raise enough tax either. So we're running an enormous deficit at the moment. We are building um, government debt levels to a, a, a level that we've not seen for, for decades. So actually, if you think about a, a country's economy, um, taxation is, is not the full picture. So the UK economy isn't generating enough tax to cover um, public services, so that's why we borrow money. We also do a considerable amount of quantitative easing in, in on, on the UK level, which is generating money digitally from, from, from nowhere. Um, and in June, for instance, we the UK government generated £750 billion worth of quantitative easing, which is money out of nowhere. Um, so the picture in Wales really um, is complex because it isn't just raising taxation that's important. We need to look at the economy as a whole really and how with a sovereign currency, if we had a sovereign currency, we'd be able to, to have instruments and methods of generating money that are, are created out of nothing effectively, which is, the U- which is what the UK economy is already doing. And I'm going to have to ask you then, Teg, is that sustainable in the long term for any for any nation state? Well, it's currently Wales' allocation. So 
there are different parts to this. So you've got taxation, which is the money that's generated out of goods and services and activity in, in an economy. Um, and then you have the ability to, to borrow money on the markets, so government debt. You have the ability to raise and create digital money, which is money out of, out of nothing. But then you've got considerable amounts of spending. Now, if you think about the amount of spending that's done on a UK level on things like defence and also on our foreign office. Now, the UK has an enormous foreign office activity and an enormous defence spending in comparison to countries that are a similar size to Wales. So if we look at Ireland, Ireland is proportionally spending considerably less on defence than and the foreign office uh, function than um, Wales is apportioned on the UK level. So if Wales was an independent country, it could decide, I don't want to be part of NATO, I don't want to spend an awful lot of money on defence, I don't want to have a, a, an enormous nuclear option, and I don't want to have embassies in every town and city across the world. No, we could cut our cloth um, considerably if we wanted to, and therefore the amount of taxation we needed to raise would reduce, and therefore... And, and any gap, any um, gap there was, deficit gap, we could then reduce and we wouldn't need to borrow as much money either. Well, thank you, uh, Tegid. I'm going to bring in Mark Hooper, who's also a, a businessman uh, and working with Tegid on founding uh, Bank Cambria, which we'll discuss later on. Mark, have you got any sort of views on the, the taxation question? Because it is a big question we get here in Yes Cymru and in the wider independence movement. Yeah, I think, as Tegid said, this is, there's... It's complicated, as people might say, but I think the question is is more so about what sort of a country we want to develop, you know, what sort of a country we want to live. So those are the key questions that we've got to ask ourselves first, because at the moment we spend many as is identified on things that serve Wales, that serve no purpose to Wales, the people of Wales, the citizens of Wales, doesn't really help our standard of living or our way of life. So I think there's a lot of things that you could start to change. But you asked a question about whether or not um, things are sustainable, particularly quantitative easing. And in times that we've got at the moment, then they are sustainable. You know, we the, the biggest issue that we've got ahead of us and the biggest concern we should have of the economy is, the, is bringing in inflation. And the future for that is actually quite weak. So we're, we're probably at more risk of deflation in our economy than we are inflation so the ability to to effectively print money is appropriate it's where that money goes though isn't it at the moment the uk government or the bank of england um, prints money digitally and gives it directly to the big financial institutions in the city they don't do things that would perhaps suit wales scotland and um, the north of ireland and other places and you know large swathes of england for that matter as well but if we had our own sovereign currency, we could do some of those things. I'm, I'm, to be honest with you, Sean, I'm relatively new to coming to the conclusion that the need for our own currency is, is as important as all the other elements of um, building an independent country. I know Tiger's been there a lot longer than I have, but it, when you start to realise that you need all the levers, you know, it's not just one thing, you need all the levers to change things. That's, that's the critical part of it. And taxation is just one part of it. And just to finish before I shut, I shut up on this one, but one of the things that I, I get concerned about is we always talk down the wealth of Wales. And 
Um, there was some work done via the ONS, but um, Resolution Foundation did quite a lot of work on it that showed that Wales has about the average wealth of the rest of the UK. So we're not we're not one of the poorest places in the country, and the United Kingdom is one of the richest countries in the world. So there is wealth, we just don't tax it very well. And we don't tax it very well because politically that's being considered something we don't do for, you know, different coloured uh, inhabitants of number 10 for a long time now. Yeah, I mean, there's a few points there, isn't it? I mean, the point about the, the difference in wealth within the UK is a very important one. And, and basically, Wales has a, you know, a fairly average uh, standard of living, maybe you could say that there are very some very poor parts, a third of children in poverty as well. Um, but what's, it may, in a way, it's made to look worse because the southeast of England is so, is so rich. So it's a bit like people keep telling me that Estonia is a, ve is a tiny country. Well, it is compared to Russia. But if you stick Estonia in the middle of, of Europe, it's basically the same size as the Netherlands, which is not a tiny country. It's a medium-sized country or the Czech Republic. And to some extent, Wales is um, suffering because our economy is always compared to that. You know, it's the difference between us and south of England or the London economy makes it look more of a problem to some extent than it actually is. Um, and if we weren't contributing to stuff like HS2 and to Crossrail and to the Tridents and all the other things we've contributed over centuries, then that wealth would be staying here rather than going somewhere else. But it's also differentiating between wealth, so stored wealth, whether it's in land, whether it's in property, whether it's in stocks and shares, whether it's in pensions. That, that's wealth. And then comparing that to income, from an income level, then we are poorer. Um, than lots of the rest of the United Kingdom. So there's a big difference there, but it's the it's the wealth side of it that we that we are very poor at taxing. And actually, most of that wealth on a society basis does very little. You know, it's it's useless, essentially. So how do you turn it to use for the good good of all society? And those are the the things that I think we should be looking at um, taxing differently and it will fall on those with broader shoulders then to be able to pay for things because what's clear is the way our economy works at the moment is that it frankly doesn't work for those people who are furthest away from things so the people who are weakest in our society in Wales even with a government that you could argue you know should be focused on these things are still the ones who are being hit the hardest you know whilst child poverty is at levels that we should be we should find abhorrent and in an independent Wales that you know I want to be part of I'd like to see those that, that we solve those problems we don't allow them just to continue day in day out so so take it just to sort of maybe wrap up um, this part of the, the, the program what we're looking at is that Yes, we, we need to um, tax things differently or tax new things, but there could be problems politically with that, Mark and Tegan, because obviously people, nobody wants to be taxed, and there may be a reason why these parts of, uh, of the economy haven't been taxed so far in that vested interest or people don't want to do it. Um, but it's also we can, we can also identify over-expenditure to some extent by the West people in terms of, you know, I think we're spending more on defence and even NATO asks for, which is like 24 of, of our GDP, which is obviously bonkers. Um, but are they, would you identify maybe for the listeners some taxation or some idea what what taxation would look like in independent Wales? I think largely the taxation should fall more on assets and 
property rather than on income. So really, income, as automation takes hold of the economy and, and work becomes less easy to find, we need to be taxing things that are not income. So we need to move towards taxing land in a different way, we need to tax assets, pensions, um, and you know stocks and shares in a different way to the way we're, we're taxing them now. As Mark says, Wales has considerable amounts of assets, you know, on a global scale, have considerable amounts of assets. But those assets are sitting in property and land and, and pension funds and, and stocks and shares. So we need to move our direction away from tax and income. So because our incomes are low anyway, we don't really want to burden people with higher income taxes because their, their average wages are not particularly good at, as it is. But we need to shift our emphasis away from income taxes onto taxes of, on assets, particularly property tax and land taxes, in my opinion. Yeah, so the Senate has some power now is over land value tax, um, landfill tax and an element with the uh, uh, land tax as well. So land value tax, the question we always get with that is basically we're taxing your know, land, which is you can't move to the Cayman Islands and pretend it's not there. Uh, so it's a good way of taxing stuff and people across political spectrum agree with this people like Lloyd George and I think Churchill at one time was supportive of land value tax the question is and we get this especially in ways with farmers are farmers then penalized for because they have bigger amounts of land than, than other people well not necessarily um, so with with the farming community we typically pay farmers to to work the land yes so there will have to be some sort of balance between um, the um, agricultural land. I don't think there should be a flat rate of land value tax across the whole of Wales. It should vary depending on the use of the land. So in the in the right in the centre of Cardiff, with an office block or an apartment block, the tax on that land would would obviously be higher than if you were owning a 50-acre farm or a 100-acre farm in the middle of Powys, for instance. You know, it would have to be different for different types of usage because. Farmers in Wales typically earn around 20,000 or less a year, so we do not want to burden farmers in Wales too heavily, um, particularly those on the, on the smaller farms. Um, that would be wrong. And I'll finish this with the last question. Mark or maybe Ted can answer. You know, this idea then, okay, we say we're going to tax assets and pensions and stuff. Then would someone just basically get a pension outside Wales and then we'd be unable to tax them at all? How would that happen? I think you'd you'd want you'd set up a system that was simpler and you know didn't have the same sort of holes in it as the UK taxation system. One of the reasons those holes are in there is it's, they're developed by these um, you know, accountants who come over and work from the big accountancy firms to help people to avoid tax in the first place. I think I think the taxation code can be um, very much simplified. And, you know, it's about, as Tegu said, you know, one of the, the, the things about land value tax is it's there. You know, yeah. it is there. And as Sean, you said, you know, it can't run off to the Cayman Isles, absolutely. And we need to, you know, ensure that we know where these assets are and know the value of them. But it, uh, one point just to finish this one, I don't think people should be scared of a fair taxation system. At the moment, the taxation system is unfair. You know, the taxation and the way that things work at the moment is unfair. So let's start making the country that we're going to develop something that's fair and and people who can afford to do things can, can afford to pay. 
And remember, wealth, you know, comes from history. Most wealth is unearned. So it's just passed down from parent to from grandparent to parent and so on. So it isn't something that has necessarily been earned by by people either. So let's let's focus on delivering something that's fair as a starting point. I think what I would add to that is the majority of the youth in Wales won't be able to afford to buy a home and therefore have an asset until they're in their late 30s now. So people of our age, so late 40s, early 50s, now fairly fortunate to own a house. Our parents may have owned a house or may have rented. But if you are 20 or 30 now, the chance of you owning a house is pretty low. So why don't we make their, their lives considerably better and make our lives slightly worse by taxing us a little bit more than we are being taxed now? That is my view. You know, because I look at my kids now. My kids are sort of, you know, one's nine, the other one's 13. Ten years from now, they're going to start thinking about purchasing a property. You know, they may have some, you know, uh, debt from university, perhaps, if they're fortunate to go, enough to go to university. With £50,000 worth of debt leaving university, what hope have they get, got to, to purchase a house? Well, and the reason we're in this situation is because we're not taxing properly. We're not taxing those with the money, you know. I don't. It's it, beyond me why there are so many people in rent, rented accommodation in Wales um, worrying about people who have got assets and, and then being taxed too much. It, it doesn't make any sense at all. Right, thanks, Sagan. Well, we'll take a break from taxation, come back to us in a minute, and we'll be discussing universal basic income. Yes! Yes, Cymru Radio. Radio Free Wales. Yes! Yeah, you're listening to Radio Yes Cymru with me, Sean Jobbins, and with me is Teged Roberts of Cadarn um, Business, and who's also working for to set up Bank Cambria, and Mark Cooper, the founder of Indie Cube Offices, and he's also working on Bank Cambria. We're going to be discussing the universal basic income now, which is a big thing, and it's been in the news recently a lot, Mark. Uh, can you just explain to listeners exactly what the universal basic income is? So it's universal basic income is not a new idea. It's been around for a long time. And I suppose it's easiest way of describing it is a state payment that's universal. So everyone gets it. It's unconditional. So in, as opposed to things like job seekers allowance, you have to prove you're doing something to get the payment. You get it unconditionally. And it's sufficient. So, you know, it's basic. So it's sufficient for people to have you know, to live with. Um, it wouldn't be something where people could have an excessive lifestyle on, but it'd be sufficient to, to live on. So and, how, sorry, so how does it, is it like a thousand pounds a month or a thousand five hundred a month, I don't know, for everyone uh, once they're 18? Or and then if they work on top of that, great, they keep the money in any case, or if they don't work, or if they work in a very small business, or, you know, maybe just doing some odd jobs, they'd still keep the money. How does it work? So, you know, the level of payment is something we're probably going to get into into this. You know, my particular view is I think it needs to be around £1,000 a month per um, adult. I, there would be a payment as well, but there already is for um, children. We've been used to universal payments with child benefit for a long time now. So this isn't something that's necessarily new, but at this level it would be um, more. And yes, people would be able to keep... Um, the proceeds subject to taxation of other work. Um, so people would be able to 
go and you know, start up a new business or, or work doing X, Y, and Z, and the, the um, proceeds less tax, they'd keep that as well. So it does, it's a, you know, people, people have talked before about, you know, where's the floor? And at the moment, there is no floor. We, we allow people to go into um, abject poverty in, in this society. So this would give a floor. It would take away the stigma associated with um, claiming benefits, and we'd all have it. Those people then who could afford it would pay for it through, you know, we've just spent a, 20 minutes talking about taxation would pay through it for, through their tax code. Right, so I mean, they, they get the, the, the basic income, and then on top of that, if they had kids, they maybe get some income as well. What happens if they can stuff like you know, money towards paying rent or, or other benefits? So a lot of benefits would be covered by this um, right. thing, but not all. You know, I think one of the things that, and one of the concerns that people have got, if the disability um, campaigners, for example, are worried that actually, will they lose their ability to their benefits that they have uh, to, uh, to make them, to give them access to the same um, standard of living in lots of ways, whether they need care or whatever, as people who don't suffer those um, from those uh, concerns. So it's a quite a, you know, some things will stay and some things will go. Now, some of those things that uh, you, you could maintain a strong um, welfare system, but you don't have to maintain all of it. So things like job seekers allowance, obviously, which is a key one and very pertinent at the moment, would, would definitely disappear as a result of this. So, so take it, I mean, I don't know what your views are on the UBI I mean, do, do you think it's something which would be easy to implement? Would it make things simpler or more complicated? And who do you think would be against it? I think typically the people who are against UBI are the ones who have got trust funds and therefore have a basic income generated and given to them by their family um, coffers. Um, that's That's been my experience. A UBI, and, and I've been a, a, a supporter of UBI for maybe six six years or more and written at least a paper on it, um, would be relatively simple to, to implement. And that's one of the benefits of it. And that's why it is attractive to the, both the right wing of politics and also the left wing, because it simplifies the, the welfare system. Um, and one of the best ways, I think, uh, of implementing that I've seen is, is what they call a negative income tax. And with a negative income tax, what happens there is if you earn no money at all, the state would give you roughly a thousand pounds a month, something like that. We can discuss again what the level should be, and then as you earn more than um, zero, you start paying proportionally a, a relatively flat rate of tax on that. So if you're earning fifty thousand pounds a year, you know you will be paying quite a lot of uh, tax on that, but you will still be receiving something like twelve thousand pounds from the state. So the idea of a negative income tax is a form of uh, implementation of basic income, and it was first proposed by the neoliberal um, economist Milton Friedman, actually, um, in the 1970s. So it, this has actually support on the left and the right wing of, of politics, and that's, that's quite a good thing and, and unusual. And I think, Mark, it's something you've been talking about uh, a lot recently, which is basically the changing nature of the economy and, and work itself and that COVID has highlighted that, you know, I mean, a lot of people now go into a very difficult situation, you know, I mean, offices are, are going to go in a different situation, uh, people are losing their jobs. Do you think 
universal basic income as is the time has come to discuss this i think the time has was to, right to discuss this probably three or four years ago i think we're now in a in an emergency situation where you know discussing it is no longer an option there's been a number of calls in um, Westminster for the government to consider it and they and they've you know dismissed it out of hand and I think that's a that's a mistake because what we're allowing you know we're about to arguably enter one of the most damaging um, economic crises that that we've ever seen and we need to be able to make sure that people um, can live throughout it because there's no it's inappropriate for a society that that has enough for that many people to to struggle and if the answer is always well find a job a are there good enough jobs are there jobs out there are those jobs good enough and you know are we just going to force people to do things that make their lives you know pretty poor you know we've only got one go at this um world and how many people you know look back at their work in life and and think what a what a waste in lots of ways there's a uh de- recently departed um a uh, big thinker called a guy called David Graeber who wrote a book, um, Bullshit Jobs. Um, and he argued that you know, there's a large proportion of jobs that really have no, have little worth in them. Why do we do it? How many people, I think, you know, sit at their job each day and, and wonder whether they've contributed um, sufficiently? So, you know, this is the time to, to start. And it was discussed in the Senate a few weeks ago, if I'm correct, uh, what was the consensus there? Was it just parked away because we can't do anything about it or are people keen to do something with it? Or I mean, for me, it's another reason why we need independence to at least to decide and, and implement these kind of ideas if we want to rather than wait for Westminster. Westminster won't want to implement something like UBI because it gives too many people um, uh, a lift up. And the Westminster government, as far as I can see, both left and right, so the Labour Party and the Conservative Party have no particular interest in in, um, in implementing a UBI. Um, so uh, there are the people that a UBI in Wales could help. There are three hundred and seventy thousand unpaid carers in Wales, and they're looking after disabled people. They're looking after elderly relatives, and they they don't get paid at all. I mean, it's and a UBI would give them. Um, economic security. It would give people who uh, are on zero hours contracts um, security as well. Now, when we talk of a basic income, we are talking about a relatively um, modest amount per month, a thousand pounds. So it's enough to live on, but not necessarily in a huge amount to live on. So it's um, it's important, I think, that people realise that basic income does actually mean basic, yes. And and if you want, you know, if you want to live a, a better life and have expensive holidays and and things like that, you know, you you'll need to go out and and get work. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I just add, just add, Sean, yeah. the um, debate in the Senate passed. So you know, the Senate as a whole voted to deploy a trial of universal basic income and um, to ask, request the money from Westminster to, to roll it out. Now, both of those things were recognised in the response from the Welsh government who abstained on the, the matter is they didn't have the powers to do it. So yeah, right. basically our elected representatives have said, yes, let's do it. And then the blocker is Westminster. Right. 
so that's that's not a, that's not a new story. And again, this is the kind of reason why yes, Cymru has grown as a movement, and I think the, the the people are coming over to independence. You know, independence increasingly is becoming a question not of identity and history and you know true adding and stuff like that. That's important, but it's increasingly becoming a question of good governance. Yeah, yes, I agree entirely. A lot of it's about good governance, and it's a lot of it's about having control over our own currency and treasury, and and decision making on something like something as large as UBI. Um, we we don't even have the, we're not even in the position to pilot a lot of things. Never mind implement them fully. And an independence uh, for a country which is a similar size to seventeen other European countries. I mean, we are not a small country really. Malta is a small country. Yeah. You know, and Iceland is a small country, but Iceland is able to do lots of these things, and, and Malta the same. So, you know, Wales is not a small country. It's got 5 million acres and 3.2 million people. It's it's not a tiny country at all. I'm going to quickly just change the conversation slightly. I, I was intending to discuss it earlier in the last segment, which is about the idea, and we discussed it, um, of Wales having its own currency. I don't want to be too long on this. I think we'll have another programme about it in the future. But both of you... Uh, Teg, as understand, has been a proponent for a few years. Mark, uh, recently, I'm even more recently, Mark, I'm looking at the, the new lights. You know, I always assumed that independent Wales would basically have the same currency as England. You know, it's not a big thing for me. My identity is not defined by the currency I use. But I'm starting to see the arguments for Wales having its own currency. It, would people hold a Welsh currency, Tegid? Yes, they they would have to. Um, if we want to do quantitative easing, if we want to have control over our own ability to to raise um, government bonds, if we and also to to raise quantitative easing and digital money, we need control over our own currency. Um, now, Iceland has a population of four hundred and forty thousand people, roughly the population of of, of Cardiff and Arvo, so. There's no reason why Wales couldn't have its own currency. Initially, we would probably choose to peg it to um, sterling. Um, and then over a period of time, as our economy improved, we would then free float it and, and let it go independently. Um, a country, you know, another example of a country in Europe with a, a strong currency is, is Switzerland. So Switzerland has a population of 5 million um, um, has its own currency and is always seen as as the currency that people want during a crisis. It's a safe haven currency. Well, why shouldn't Wales have a safe haven currency that people want to, you know, if we are well governed, if Wales was well governed and did things well and the population was well looked after, um, then we could have a strong and, and stable currency. It's absolutely um, being relatively small in terms of population, 3 million, is no barrier at all from having a strong and, s- and stable currency at all. Right. I, I, we really need to discuss this in detail, I think, again. So we'll have another uh, yes, Raja Yes Cymru talk on currency and maybe other issues. I'm going to leave that for a moment to take it, but it's such an interesting and very important part of, of the independence debate. We're going to come back in a second and we're going to be discussing the big, huge I would say one of the most important projects and exciting project at the moment, which is Bank Cambria. So stick with us here on Radio Yes Cymru. My name is Sean Jobbins. We'll come back and discuss uh, Bank Cambria. Yes, yes. yes Cymru Radio. <laughs> yes, you're listening to Radio Yes Cymru with me, Sean Jobbins. Joining me tonight, uh, Mark Hooper from Barry, Barry Boy, 
and uh, Tegi Roberts up there in Wrexham, but now living down in Cardiff. Tegi, am I right? Yes, that's right, Cardiff. Good. And uh, both of you are at the forefront of pushing what I think is fantastic. You know, I went down to see the Slovene community in Italy in about the year 2002, and they had their own bank, um, Bank Primorska, which basically was set up in the 19th century when all these small nations in Europe had their own banks, and that's very important for them. And I thought, we don't have our own bank, but you're looking to set up our own bank here in Wales. Uh, tell us about, yes, uh, Bank Cambria. What kind of bank is it going to be? Can people see it on the, on the high street? Can they use it, uh, the card when they're paying for petrol lever? And you know, is there some kind of time scale to this? Mark, do you want to kick off? Yeah, thanks, Sean. This is... Um... This is, I think, a really important project just because it's an institution. You know, wh- yeah, why do we rely exactly. on institutions elsewhere for our everyday living? You know, people use a bank to manage their resources day in, day out, and we should have one that's based in Wales. What we're trying to do, and I think, you know, every day gets closer to it, is to develop um, a, a bank. So this would be with all the cards. So, it, you know, we sell mortgages do loans, um, it would have a debit card, it would be able to you know, to get cash out from the hole in the wall, um, and it would put banking operations back into some of the high streets that have left Wales. You know, over the past five years, we've lost 250 have bank we? branches. That's almost half of Amazing. our bank branches have left communities, and they've left the communities that are already, one could argue, slightly adrift from yeah. um, the economy we're in. So this is, you know, hugely exciting. I, um, I, I sometimes describe it as, you know, people say, isn't banking difficult? <laughs> and the people who want to make banking difficult are those people who are already doing banking. You know, this is, it is relatively straightforward. It's not easy, but it's relatively straightforward. And there's nothing to stop us having a bank in Wales. Well, I think the, the ground is opening up behind someone there. I'm not too sure. I hope there's some big earthquake Someone's down closing the gate. I've been oh. locked in, I think. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, just to, for the thickies amongst us, <laughs> looking at myself. Um, so w- with Bank Cambria, I mean, it would be on the high street. I'm going to ask two questions. One, you know, people are sort of getting used to doing stuff online now, aren't they? So do they actually need, do you need to be paying a big rent? for a building which is open for, what, five, seven uh, hours a day. Uh, and secondly, you know, um, how, 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 how does it start? I mean, call me stupid. To open a bank, you need to have money in it already. So, I mean, how does that happen? So, we're, we're, first question is, you know, is it actually worth having a building in you know, Newcastle Emlyn or Kidwelly or somewhere like that? And secondly, where is the actual cash going to come to start it off or to be in the bank when people need to raise money? Well, I mean, there's considerable evidence that people um, want a bank in their lo- locale, so in, in the village and the town that they live. So we, we plan to open at least 20 um, branches over Wales to begin with, over a five-year period. Um, but it's all. But one of the benefits we have is we're starting from scratch. So we're going to be able to work with local authorities, work with all sorts of other businesses to be able to put a relatively small branch in 
um, and a very modern branch. So what we have is a a, a a very sophisticated ATM that doesn't just give you money, but also takes money and you can put money in it. So if you own a small business that generates a lot of cash, you can put money into this um, special ATM we have. Um, we're going to have a digital uh, offering as well. So there'll be an app on your phone. You'll be able to to, to to use that like you would with, with any other bank. So we're going to be a fully functioning modern bank with um, an app on your phone. You'll have a debit card in your wallet you, uh, and you'll be able to get a, a mortgage with us. You'll be able to get a, you know, have a savings account. Um, we're going to make sure that there are bank accounts in the Welsh language and English language as well. So we, we're going to use um, Welsh and English equally in the bank and not just um, not just a token thing, you know, not just something that, you know, where we have a sign on on the door. We're going to make sure that the operation of the bank will be bilingual. So this is really important. In fact, Mark and I were talking to the Welsh Language Commissioner today about this, and, and this is going to be fundamental to, to what we do. Um, so yeah, it's very exciting, I have to say, and, and you know, Mark in particular has put a, an awful lot of work into this, and, it, and it, I can't tell you, it's very exciting times at the moment to do this. Yeah, it is. It is exciting. I mean, I'm just thinking because I'm going to I'm going to speak as Mr. Thick here. So I mean, what I would need to move from my bank would be someone to basically say, look, here's Sean, come and sit here, and we'll transfer the whole thing over to you, to Bank Cambria. I mean, that's the kind of level of interaction we need to get the stuff moving i presume yeah that, i mean that and that's that's what you will be able to do so in order to have a bank in the uk you need to go through a considerable amount of regulation you you know we're regulated by the the, the um the fsa um and also the pra and you know the regulation's fairly tight and um we've we can't announce the news that we we know that we've yeah. um, today, but um, it'll be pretty obvious when we are able to announce what we're doing, um, how this is going to be structured, where the money's going to come from, how it's going to be set up. I mean, you know, we're getting perilously close to, to, to having this uh, a reality yeah. now. So I presume, Mark, I mean, you'd need individuals like myself to, to start banking and move, move from the bank or at least open another account with you. But we also need institutions in Wales to move their account over to this. So, so the county councils rolled millions of pounds where they did invest in banks in Iceland a few years ago, if we remember, and that didn't work out too well. Um, the other big institutions in Wales, they need to be, and their managers, if they're listening to this, need to be thinking about moving their accounts over to Bank Cambria as well, I presume. Well, do you know, I think we're probably more interested in the smaller businesses than the people with big amounts of cash. So this will be an operation that's focused on, you know, individuals and the the S of the SME market. So it's it's focused on smaller um, businesses. But just as a, you know, an aside, there's a each bank, the big banks, aim to make about four hundred pounds a year from people who have active current accounts with them. So that's a, there's two and a half million active current accounts in Wales today, personal accounts. So that's a billion pounds a year that leaves, you know, that travels over the Severn Bridge or on the A55 or, you know, through into Shropshire that basically leaves our country never to return. And those big banks use it for all sorts of different purposes. So we just got to, you know, this is about us saying this is an important time for us to make sure that the wealth that we have, which we've spoken about in other parts of this programme, stays in Wales because if it does it can start to gen it will generate more wealth it will and it will be a you know a, a virtuous circle whereas at the moment it's a you know we've got a bucket with holes in 
Um, this is one part of it. There's a load of other parts as well that we could fix. But just imagine, you know, people talk about a 15, which I don't accept, but you know, 15 billion pound a year deficit. Well, I've just solved a billion pounds of that by doing what we're doing here if everyone swapped over. That's how we can make these things different. And that's so important. And this is why the independence movement and I say movement is so important because one is changing the perceptions, asking different questions, coming up with different answers. But we're giving practical answers as well. I remember being in Catalonia for their referendum a few years ago and we met up as a international delegates in a very fantastically fine building in the middle of Barcelona. It was like a library and a, and a club set up by the bank institutions in Catalonia in the 19th century where the Catalans didn't want to give all their money to Madrid. They didn't trust Madrid and they created their own financial institutions. And of course, as you say, Mark, the money then stayed in Barcelona. So the reason Barcelona is such a fantastic city is it's run essentially by nationalists who didn't want to let the money all go to Madrid. They wanted to keep the money there in Catalonia and support their language and culture. And that didn't happen in Wales in the 19th century and certainly not in the 20th century to the extent it should have. There used to be a lot of banks in Wales that are owned locally. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the... Now, if you go to um, Anglesey, if you go to other parts in, in Wales, you will see a... Um, a branch of a large UK bank, and above above the door, it'll say the name of a of a local a local bank that it was effectively bought out. So what we're trying to do is reverse that reverse that so that Wales has its own institution. We don't lose this billion pounds a year, which is an awful lot of money if you think about the, the Welsh economy is about seventy five billion. So to lose a billion a year is a lot of money. Um, now. It's uh, it's a subst- and that's just on current accounts, by the way. You know, that's, that's yeah. a substantial amount of money. We're not talking about mortgages here; we're just current accounts. And and also, what the bank would also do is help you know, give the kind of jobs people say they have to leave where to do. These are kind of jobs and expertise and exciting stuff which we employed here in Wales, are paying good wages as well. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have some pretty strong policies on on how people are paid. Um, at the banks as well, make sure that they're paid well. And then again, this is the important part with building a Welsh state. You know, I was talking to a lecturer in Bangor in the economics department there. They've been asked a few years ago by the Welsh government to look into things like land value tax. Uh, and so these are kind of skills again and creating the expertise which we, Wales in, which we in Wales need. So when we're talking about independence, we're actually talking about making Wales itself stronger and having jobs here, which at the moment are all exported outside of Wales. So there's no reason, there's no surprise people go to London to work because those kind of jobs are there at the moment. And the supporters of the British state want to keep it as as that. Next time you look at your bank statements, look at where the money that you're spending is going. If it goes towards your electricity and gas bill, think about where that electricity and gas company lives. If it goes towards a food bill, think where that supermarket is headquartered, where your mobile phone bill money is going if we were able to build all these institutions in wales have our own companies that money would not be leaving wales now would it it would stay in wales and it would be recycled in the economy yes and this is a big argument as we discussed at the beginning program about taxation sorry mark no i was just going to say i would endorse everything that tagger just um, finished off with with there i think that's really important but it's also these are things that we can do now yes you know what we wait too long you know we, we don't have to wait until you know we get to those green 
that green nirvana field that we're all you know looking forward to we can make a difference to things today and sometimes i worry that we our comfort our lack of confidence is what's letting us down and we need to we should have the confidence to say we deserve a bank we should have a bank we can have one now and it will be part of the institutional network that builds the future wales that's the sort of thing we should be doing yeah, yeah. And by doing and by doing it now, we will make you know we'll make our independent process far far easier and quicker. Yeah, her dad and nine confidence in ourselves as we're saying Welsh. There's a fantastic little mean by the great Nick of Wales from Trail, uh, which came out I think last night. And yes, Cymru, we are the change we want. And this is why yes, Cymru and the whole independence movement is about. We're, we're fed up of waiting. We're fed up of waiting. Someone else to change. We're, we're, we're done with waiting. We're changing wheels for the better, and we're doing it now. You've been listening to uh, Mark Hooper from Barry, Tegan Roberts from um, Wrexham now in Cardiff, two fantastic men who are doing a great job for Wales, not just with Bank Cambria, not just with the great Twitter handles, which we'll share later on, but moving a political and inter- intellectual debate on in Wales, asking people questions and coming up with answers as well. You've been listening to myself, Sean Jobbins, here on Radio Yes Company. This is the first programme in almost two years, but we're back now because it's time, and it's time for independence. Yes, 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 yes Company Radio. Yes. 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 Yes.